Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Heyo, it is I, Jeff Dwoskin, your host of Classic Conversations and your guide through this bonus episode of Crossing the Streams. What is Crossing the Streams? It's me and a bunch of my pals. We get together every Wednesday live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube, and we answer the universal question, what should you be binge watching next? You've binge watch something, you got to binge watch something else. Well, we got your back. Over 105 hours of binge watching suggestions on our YouTube channel. Link in show notes. But I get it. You're busy. So here we are at this bonus episode where we grab three random segments from three of the live shows and just send them right to you. From live episode 35, Clarkston's Farm. From live episode 61, I Am Mother. And from live episode 96, The Osbournes. The Osbournes is a special one. We have special guest Sue Kalinske. She was a segment producer on The Osbournes, so she gives us some behind-the-scenes insights into that amazing show. But to kick things off, Joel Fragamenti and Clarkston's Farm. Take it away, Joel. Let's uh, turn our attention to our guest Joel's pick, Clarkson's Farm. An Amazon original. I've not heard of this one. I'm excited to hear. You've all not about heard it. of this. Do you know no. who Jeremy Clarkson is, Jeff? I don't. I He's don't. the host yes. of The Grand Tour, which is also on Amazon Prime. He was the host of Top Gear for years and years. He hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in the UK right now. So he's a very big he's he's a very big uh, celebrity worldwide. The car shows have not been a giant hit in the US. Maybe there may be a little more of what we call a cult show. But in the rest of the world, they're like you know, some of the, they, they say, I, they said that when he was doing Top Gear, that was the biggest television show in the world. As far as the weekly viewers, he got fired from Top Gear for smacking a producer in the face because a steak was not ready for him after a day's shoot, apparently, which I know that doesn't do much to get you to watch the show, uh, but let me continue. So he's kind of got this uh, very abrasive personality, very opinionated about cars and really everything. And while those other shows were car shows, this is a, a documentary. And I'm going to put that in sort of air quotes, if you can see that, because Top Gear and the Grand Tour are sort of documentary-ish shows where a lot of it is set up but it's it's funny it's a comedy and and this show is as well where he now he owns a farm in the english countryside and rather the guy who i I forget what the backstory is the guy who was farming it retired and so jeremy wants to learn how to be a farmer and so you have that fish out of water element where you have this big city guy in this farming town trying to learn how to run a tractor and all this farming equipment. And he has to hire on some locals to help him work on the farm. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, conflict that goes on there. But it's all very funny. If you know uh, and have enjoyed those other shows that Jeremy was on, this one has a feeling, a very similar feeling as far as the comedy goes. Um, a lot of, well, we need a tractor to do this job. So Jeremy gets a Lamborghini tractor. You know, it's sort of the, <laughs> that was the whole Top Gear thing. They would try to do, uh, you know, take vehicles that were inappropriate for the ride, use something else. The latest um, Grand Tour that just came out has them driving 1970s American cars across Scotland. So that was really good. That's called Lockdown, by the way. 
Grand Tour Lockdown. But anyway, so Clarkson's Farm is sort of that fish out of water element. People are really liking the show. I found uh, a lot of the reviews are saying that it's Jeremy being a little more warm and fuzzy than he normally is. Which, if you know his personality, uh, is sort of a, it's a little bit, it actually, and you really do care about these people. I think it's eight episodes and you see Jeremy trying to learn how to, you know, plant crops. He buys a bunch of sheep. He has to figure out how to impregnate said sheep. And he's at livestock (laughs) auctions. And Bob's um, like, I know how to do that. Yeah, well, hey. Um, Animal it's, husbandry it's, and boxing. It's just a lot of, I mean, it, it definitely is a, a documentary about farming, uh, a series about farming, which you may say, I'm not interested in that at all, but it's great. And, uh, you know, he opens a little store with his girlfriend to sell the stuff that they're farming. And, of course, they go through COVID during this as well. They go through the biggest flooding that England had ever seen, which sort of decimates his whole farming thing, which he doesn't know what he's doing anyway. The supporting cast, like I said, the locals are very entertaining. There's a guy named Gerald who is a local farmer who speaks in a dialect that you, the English people can't understand this guy. And so you really, and I think at some point they do just subtitle this guy and other times they just leave it where you literally don't know what this guy's saying. Uh, And then his assistant is a kid named Caleb who's 21 and knows everything about farming, but has never left his hometown. So you have that sort of hayseed rube really putting Jeremy in his place, which is some of the funniest stuff on the show. It's him telling Jeremy he doesn't know what the hell he's doing farming. Um, It's just really great. I mean, if you don't know Jeremy Clarkson, so much of what he does on television is just based on that character he's created after all these years. And I actually think even if you don't know that, you still probably enjoyed the show because he is uh, he really is an entertaining fella to watch. Uh, I can't get enough of him. Anything he does, I watch and I enjoy so, yeah, if you want to know a little more about farming and you know the economics of it, there's a guy, uh, Charlie, who is sort of the guy that's advising his business affairs. I think I forget what they call. I could look it up, but it's, you know, whenever Charlie shows up, it's bad news and Jeremy's pissed off. You know, it's got sort of that sort of the um, almost like that office vibe where, you know, the boss shows up and you're just like, oh, God. Not this guy. You know, it's like the, he's like the Toby. And Jeremy's trying to have fun and this guy showing up. Well, Jeremy, I said, you know, uh, Bali's not looking so good this year. I'm, I'm not going to do a terrible British accent, but um, it's a very entertaining show. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Watched all eight episodes, like probably one a day. Knocked that out. It just came out in June, so it hasn't even been out long. So are they 30 minute episodes or hours? No, they, I think they go between about 40 minutes and an hour, something like that. It's sort of that uh, British hour right 90 minutes but the british hour shows have no commercials not that amazon does but it's sort of got that format but yeah it's I'm great enjoying your lighting joel do you enjoy the lighting thank you i, enjoy, I put yeah, effort I like into this rave or something like like dead well i have a little i have a little i can change the colors of the lights if you have any requests like Bob. do you yeah. have pink <laughs> do you want pink i'll hold on a second i'll give you pink yeah I'm glad you guys are interested in the show I picked. <laughs> no, it does sound really good. I love I love hearing about I, you know I talk here and stuff like cars. Pink? Yeah, I'm not a car guy whatsoever, but I <laughs> yeah, love Top is. Gear. It, I that's love great. Top exactly. Gear. Yep. And like you, the yeah. Grand Tour is is like that plus like a little bit more because you can tell they're like they're doing it on their own without the producers. Yeah. So having Jeremy Clarkson like try to learn farming, yeah, I'm 100 percent in. I'll definitely check it out. I think that's very yeah. Cool. Check it out. You you you'll enjoy. He's so he's so annoying at everything anyway. So yeah, he's just always he's a curmudgeon. He's pissed <laughs> off at the world. And he knows everything. Yeah, yeah, he thinks he knows it all, and of course he knows nothing about farming and. <laughs> 
and he learns and then, you know, you might even, I mean, you get, you get invested in him and his crops and his, you know, his sheep. It's, <laughs> it's very entertaining. Well, he, so let's, I'll give you an example of his sense of humor. Sure. He has to have two bull sheep. So all of the sheeps are lady sheep. He has 200 lady sheeps and he has to get two sheeps that go around impregnating the other sheeps. So he names these sheeps. Uh, again, if you don't know uh, a lot of British sports culture, man, I get but one is Wayne Rooney is one of the sheeps. And the other is Leonardo DiCaprio. So if you know their reputations, you would understand why he named the sheep what he did. So that's too funny. Yeah, good stuff. Really funny and, and kind of touching. I hate to say that I was touched by Jeremy Clarkson, uh, pun intended, but I definitely was. That's the headline. Yeah. I was touched by Jeremy. And by the way, I will mention that our, the, we talked about him, I think, before we went live. But the late great Corey Hall met Jeremy Clarkson in Detroit. Hmm. They oh, were nice. shooting uh, a part of the Grand Tour. And he's, Corey called me and he goes, because he knows I like, we both liked uh, Top Gear and all that. And he goes, I met Jeremy Clarkson. He was an asshole. And I go, but isn't that what you want? Isn't that like, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to happen if you meet him. You want him to be annoyed that you recognized him. That's uh, perfectly appropriate. So everyone should check out Clarkson's film. It's on Prime. Everyone's like, oh, and also a thing that I like, and again, if you like those other shows, you'll know the quality of like the video and the sound and just the way they shoot these shows. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Really well done. All right. That was Joel Fragamendi making his debut. You can catch him on joelradio.net, and he is now the host of Mark Ridley's comedy podcast. Up next, we have the Osbournes, Sue Kalinske, special guest, segment producer of the Osbournes, and guest on Classic Conversations, episode 136. If you want more Sue, check that out. In the meantime, here's the Osbournes. Take it away, Sue. We have a special guest, Sue, maybe one of our most famous guests, three-time Emmy-nominated, been on The Tonight Show with Beautiful. Jay Leno, Star Search semifinalist, wrote for Ellen, Brotherly Love, that's Joey Lawrence, Dope. and Sex <laughs> in the City, producer on The Osbournes, Sue Kalinske, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I figured 21 years after the Osbournes have, has aired, if you have never seen it, you really need to give me a note from your parents why. So I actually watched it recently, and it was the first reality show of its kind. And in retrospect, seeing a lot of what has come after it really, really holds up. What I find to be so cool about the show is that there is no strings as far as what, whether we like had Ozzy or anyone in the family. You, you don't really see the producer's hand, basically, because I've worked on so many shows since then that are supposed reality. And I've burst a lot of people's bubbles on a lot of other shows that I've worked on. And that was so pure. And I think Probably because it was so early on, there was nothing else to compare it to. They were the perfect family to do it with because they had no inhibitions at all. I think a lot of people don't realize that cameras, you know, you could do a show, you could be an actor and be on a show, but the fact that they're shooting something in your actual house, 
about your life is the most invasive situation you could ever be in. And the fact that people actually allow people to do that, it takes a very, very special kind of, of person and a family. So my experience working on the show was that because it was new and because at the time there were no production company middlemen, it was just producers that most of us were independent contractors and then MTV, they allowed us to do anything we wanted because we were the first. So things that we shot, situations that the family just innately were in, you were, we, and and they let us shoot a ton of footage. Uh, Money was no object. We never knew from moment to moment what was going to happen, which is a big departure from shows now because they don't spend as much money and you have to produce. You probably have, you get like two and a half, three days to make an episode. And with the Osbournes, they just let us shoot and shoot and shoot. And then we were basically a slave to the footage. So it was really a testament to our creativity. You had to make something sometimes out of purely nothing. And it was just, it was exhilarating. You know, just the fact that you had to, you had to make something creative, even if you didn't have, maybe you had a seed of a story. So you had to do things in different ways. And sometimes you didn't have the footage to support what you, the story you had to tell. And I'll just share with you, there was one situation where Ozzy and Sharon were going to London and they were flying out of LAX and LAX did not give us permission to shoot there. So we had to somehow show them taking off in a plane. So they were driving in a, uh, like a, like an SUV. It was kind of like a town car SUV and the interior kind of looked like a private plane. So we found <laughs> inserts online. The driver, who was actually their tour guide, tour manager, we um we found like a pilot's hand like reaching up to uh, press instruments on a panel, like a like a regular pilot, and we inserted that and then to make it look like the plane was taking off, we tilted the shot to make it look like the car was a plane. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So it was all this kind of really, really fun stuff. And and I, when I first started, I was a segment producer. And when I talk about not really having a heavy hand as a producer, because you, like, again, you were never going to tell them what to do or what to say. You just had to put the cameras on them and just trust that they were going to be as crazy and fun and game for anything. So one night um, we were shooting, Jack was being reunited with his dog, Lola. We were like, well, what do we do with this? So they had lights in the pool and my girlfriend and I, who was another segment producer, we said to the director, you know what? We should shoot this romantically. Like, cause he was in love with this dog and he had been separated from the dog for, I don't know, maybe a month or so, or maybe even longer. So we shot it where, uh, and the dog liked to swim in the pool. So Jack was on one end and Lola was on the other end and we can't switch, kept on. We knew in editing, we were just going to go back and forth to like them getting closer. So it was a close up. <laughs> it was like the dog's POV. And then it was Jack's POV until they united in the middle of the pool. And then the dog was kissing him and he was kissing the dog. We made it into this like love story. So stuff like that. And I think, I think the reason why the show was as successful as it it was and other shows kind of i think kind of fell at the wayside was that they really did love love one another and they did regular mom and dad things you know like sharon you know she had a vacuum 
we had her vacuuming. Ozzy was sitting on the couch. He lifted his legs as the vacuum cleaner went underneath them. He made milkshakes. That ended up being a very thematic kind of fun thing to go back to. And you would think, oh, someone's making a milkshake. What's the big deal? Like, what? where's the entertainment in this? But it's Ozzy Osbourne making a milkshake. Right. And we would get maybe three minutes out of that. And, you know, and there were times where it was challenging because um, I don't know how, how much people know about this, but his older daughter, Amy, was supposed to be in the show. I mean, we had shot uh, a few episodes and one episode in particular, she had a main storyline and but her contract wasn't signed. And Sharon kept on saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She'll sign. She'll sign. Just keep shooting with her, you know, which, you know, we really probably shouldn't have done. But we did because we figured, OK, she's she's telling us she's going to sign. And then at the at the last moment, this episode was going to air in like a couple of days. And she said that she didn't want to be in the show. And we were like, oh, my God, she's like the star of this episode. So we had to all hands on deck. We had to go and just look for footage to come up with three minutes. And three minutes doesn't really sound like a lot. But in TV land, that's a lot of time to fill. And we just found other things that fit with the episode. And it was... For me, I've been chasing, that's 21 years ago. So I have been chasing wow. the high of that show my entire career since how, then. How many episodes, Sue, total? I think there were 10 every season. So there were uh, three episodes and then there was bonus episode where, I don't know if you remember this, but they did a fake episode where they, because there were a lot <clears throat> of rumors that it was scripted. And uh, we just we just went along with it. And we made this fake episode to make it look like we pulled the curtain. And like when we were finished shooting with the dogs, some handler came and took the dogs out of the house <laughs> and just made it look like it was all fake. Yeah. And I tell you something that was really, really cool is that for people who have never been on a on a set, when the first year we, I think it was maybe the first and second year, we shot as producers, we were sequestered in a room in the house, which was our kind of like video village was in the house. All the, the directors were in a room with uh, monitors and everything. And the producers were just hanging out in this, in this spare room. And a lot of times we had no idea if, you know, where the kids were, are they coming home? So we split the segment producers into three groups. So you're, you were a morning person. You got there at like eight o'clock in the morning and you stayed till maybe noon. And then the afternoon producer came and then the night producer would be there at maybe like five o'clock and sometimes maybe leave at 10, but sometimes stay there till three o'clock in the morning. So we were hanging out with Ozzy and Sharon a lot during downtime. And they would come in and hang out with us and she would give us movies. You know, she she had gotten first run movies. So we would sit there and watch movies. We spent New Year's and Christmas with them. We uh, toasted in the New Year with them. We had dinner with them. So it was um, we very really were cool. part of the family. It was it was very, very, very cool. cool. Very cool. It it almost sounds like the show was um, to put it together was almost like a cross between like a hybrid of um, just a pure documentary and then the scripted reality shows that are popular today. You know, something in between those. You had scenarios that you edited down to, but the footage itself was raw and real. It wasn't anything planned. To me, one of the things, and and as a rule, I'm not a fan of reality shows, especially the scripted reality shows. I love what I would consider some of the um, more documentary style, like the um, Hard Knocks on HBO, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, it's a little bit more documentary than reality. What I always loved about Ozzy was I grew up 
in, you know, I was in middle school in the early 80s and I was a huge Diary of a Madman, Blizzard of Oz, Ozzy Osbourne fan. So, and that was the Ozzy I knew. And so to see him as just this guy hanging around the house, you know, almost like my dad was like, so, and and to not be the powerhouse dynamo in the family was so unique. And then the other thing I loved about it is almost after the show, Ozzy, who was such an enormous star in his own right, arguably became the least popular actively of the four of them, you know, Jack got his own show. They all Kelly. ended up doing things. Kelly had her show and, you know, they all did stuff even beyond him. He was just doing the occasional reunion tour and that was it. But, you know, it was her. Sharon was doing daytime talk shows. I mean, they all became so big beyond him, which was really cool and unique. Well, also, it's like I look at Jack now and, you know, he has a production company and he's producing shows. And, and I, I get the, the thing that makes me laugh, too. I, I saw Jack recently. You know, he has like tattoos. Like he's he's so tatted up. And when we were shooting the show, I mean, he was really young. I mean, he was in maybe junior high school going into high school. And I remember the subject came up about him getting a tattoo and then Kelly getting a tattoo. And Ozzy was like, uh-uh, no way. He, cause he knew, cause he's all tatted up. He said, what happens is you get one and then you get another and you're, you're not yeah. going to stop at one. One of them actually did get a tattoo. And then I look at Jack today and he's so tatted up and it just makes me laugh so much because it was something, you know, they were really, they were really being, you know, you know, your conventional parents with, no, I don't want you getting a tattoo, you know? And it's yeah, coming from like your dad who like bit the head off of a bat you know <laughs> yeah. that i can't get a tattoo can you watch yeah, the exactly. osbornes anywhere now i was trying to look and i'm not i know you can rent it but is it streaming for free anywhere yeah see that see that's I the problem think, with this you know i don't I, think I, it is i don't know if it is i don't know if it is yeah that's a shame yeah I know. I'm sure it's like on YouTube probably, but that's not legal. So go buy right. it, everyone, on Amazon. On iTunes, yeah. <laughs> right. But so so it's not even somewhere where you can actually pay for it. Like it's not No, on, you can do it. I think it's on, on, on like Amazon. Amazon. It's on Prime. You, you can, can pay rent for it. it. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. you can pay okay. for it on YouTube also, yeah. Okay. It's available for purchase to stream, but not not for free to stream, but well worth digging up. Sue, thank you for that. <laughs> That was awesome. Uh, always nice to hear a little behind the scenes. All right. That was Sue Kalinsky. Catch her on Culture Pop Podcast as well. Up next, our final segment from live episode 61. I Am Mother. Ron Lippett, take it away. This is I Am Mother. I Am Mother. Have you guys seen it? No. Nope. I hadn't even you heard, heard of it? it. You never even heard of it. So it's 2019, uh, distributed by Netflix. It's an Australian film. And here, right off the bat, I, so I'm not so into sci-fi. I mean, I, I definitely was into the Star Wars universe and that whole thing. And I, I am, as my kids would tell you, I'm picking up on the Marvel world, Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, and I'm making my way through that. So this one, you know, it was an algorithm. It, it, my uh, middle daughter, Caroline, had actually watched it and recommended it to me. It, it's Australian made. The uh, The actor's... Uh, it, there's only three actors in the whole movie. It, the whole uh, entire plot takes place essentially, not entirely, but essentially in a bunker. And what's interesting about this is that a, sci a sci-fi movie that really does give you the sense and feel of it being truly in a, in a science fiction kind of other world place only had a budget of $5 million. 
This whole movie had a budget of $5 million. And, and it's incredible what they were able to achieve with such limited, you know, funds for this, for this movie. The, the robot itself that plays the character of mother is a fantastic character in this show. And to give you a sense for, for what, uh, the movie is about, it, it's a post apocalyptic situation where they, it's called the extinction event. Uh, there is a bunker that is created by human beings that's designed that should the human race ever fail, that this bunker would actually automatically turn on and mother as a robot would have access to embryos, human embryos, and begin the process of, you know, repopulating, uh, repopulating the earth. And that's great. I'm sure there's a lot of, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of sci-fi movies that might have a similar theme to this, but where, where this thing goes completely different is it, it takes a very philosophical approach to this. It, it requires you to ask the question that if mother the robot is going to raise, essentially be the first mother and raise children, uh, then, uh, what kind of children are these people going to be? And what, you know, what does, what, what's a good human? What makes a good human? And, and that was part of the, uh, the question that's asked throughout this, this, this movie. Uh, and it's, you know, it's less than two hours. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. And what you find out during the course of this movie is that the caliber of humanness is being evaluated by the very robot that was created by humans to repopulate the earth. And it, it asks the, the question of, you know, what is good about being human? And so it, it's a very deep, in, in some ways, a slow moving story. Uh, but with $5 million, they can't have this, this giant set with incredible, uh, cinema, cinema effects. There's no CGI. The mother suit is literally all 3D printed. Uh, in fact, on YouTube, you can see the making of, uh, I am mother. The suit was, I think, half the budget of the whole movie. <laughs> so, uh, it's pretty crazy that there's somebody actually in the suit as an actor. Um, Hillary Swank has a major role as one of the three actors in this. And you ask yourself uh, for an Australian movie that has a Danish lead character. How the hell did Hillary Swank <laughs> uh, get involved in this? But she got hold of the script. She talks about it on uh, a couple different interviews that she got hold of the script and she forced her way into this role because she was so excited about uh, being part of the, of this project. It, and, it's interesting. Uh, I'm looking on IMDb. Yeah. She's as woman. Yep. As child. Like they're all, uh, Wo- woman, daughter, names. mother. That's it. Yeah. Those are the, those are the three characters and it's a very different vibe and it's an, it's super interesting philosophical journey. You go on with this. I think I won't, I won't, uh, spoil the ending. Uh, there is a twist ending to it and it, and it is yet another movie that, absolutely makes you think and question all kinds of things. Once you see the ending, it's an, it's one of these movies where you're gonna have to rethink everything you just saw in the movie through a new lens because something is revealed. Very worthy watch, very, very worthy watch. And, uh, it got a 91% on, uh, for the critic review on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. It's uh, the only real criticism I see across the reviews is that it is a slow moving story. Um, it's a build. It's a slow build. And so if that's okay, if you don't mind that, I think you guys really get a lot out of it. And I highly recommend it. All right. I am mother. Thank you very much, Ron Lippett. So you got I am mother, the Osbournes, and Clarkston's farm. That's a lot. So I'm going to let you get to it. Go hop on the couch, grab your favorite cozy spot, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.